Welcome to the Manmukti Podcast, where we speak up about South Asian mental health with professionals and those with lived experiences of mental illness. Divorce is one of the most difficult choices a person can make, but to navigate that space as a woman in a Muslim family bears its own set of challenges and gifts. Samaya Mushtaq is a resident physician in Dallas and joins us today to talk about how she overcame the stigma of speaking out and what perspectives she's developed to move on. This week, our guest is my lovely friend, Samaya Mushtaq, and she and I go pretty far back, uh, I guess about 10 years now. It's literally a little disquieting to think about how old we've become, but uh, she, <laughs> she has since then done a lot more than I have. Uh, and that's why uh, she's our guest today. And uh, so I'll, I'll let her talk about herself for, for a little bit. Okay. Hey, Anand. Uh, it's, yeah, I'm Samaya, like Anand said. Uh, I'm a resident physician uh, training in psychiatry uh, right now in Dallas. And yeah, so we graduated high school uh, almost 10 years ago. Um, since then, I uh, went to medical school at Vanderbilt University and then moved back to Dallas a couple years ago to start training. Um, and Anand told me about this really great organization, Manmukti. I'm so glad to see that there's good work being done at the intersection of mental health as it relates to South Asian communities. So I'm really excited to join you guys. Yeah, and uh, it, what really excites me about Samaya is um, that she is not only a, a physician in training, but she's a psych- psychiatrist in training. Um, and uh, being South Asian herself, it kind of is perfect. It's perfect for the kind of show we have. Um, and so kind of in the in the time on you in high school and since then, you've had a lot of different hats. You've been a, uh, you were a friend to me then, but since then you've become uh, an aunt and you've become a physician and you've become a writer. Um, Writer is a bit extreme. Uh, I'm not sure I would use the, the noun form as an identifier, but yes, I have written a couple blog posts, right. but certainly not of the caliber as your satire or any of that. Just just a few posts here and there. Um, well, I really like these posts, and uh, I, I really wanted to have the listeners kind of get to know you um, as, a, as a person. Uh, in addition to that piece that you wrote, which I think made a lot of impact on people that that I know that I shared it with. Um, and in the piece, you talk about uh, getting a divorce. So let's, let's get that out there. You had a divorce, um, and you uh, kind of document what happened throughout the process of that divorce and then the aftermath and kind of the things you noticed that made it hard things that people did around you that might have been with good intentions, but that did, just didn't register in a way that uh, helped you cope or made you happy. So would you kind of summarize your piece and your thoughts on the matter? Yeah, okay. So um, you're talking about the, the alt-Muslima piece mm-hmm. on um, the basics of comfort or, or what not to say to someone going through a divorce. Right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I wrote that. I was, in, you know, I was compelled to write it about a year and a half after the whole process that, like you mentioned, uh, of, of me going through a divorce. Um, and it was basically a list of 10 things um, that I encountered people saying uh, over the course of the time, you know, at, at, in the middle of the process, at the end of the process, 
Um, some of them amusing, some of them, you know, well-meaning. Um, but I approach it from the angle of how that they weren't very constructive. And um, like you said, I think a lot of it is very well-intentioned. But I think in general, like our communities, and this is actually like one of the, the takeaways that I intended for the article was that it's generalizable to incidents and situations and struggles even outside of divorce. So really the thesis of, yeah, yeah. So the thesis of the piece was that in general, our communities have kind of struggled to have those elements of warmth and comfort and being present with people during trying times. Um, and then I just hone in specifically on my experience, which is just how I like to write. Um, but I hope that it inspires people to kind of think a little bit more deeply about how they want to be present for somebody whom, you know, they um, encounter in a difficult situation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing about your piece is that you make kind of salient reference to actual excerpts and uh, the canon of Islam. And I think that is really significant. Um, but tell me kind of what it means to you and why you included that. Yeah, so there was a couple of references. So some of them were were not related to religion. Some of them were just purely cultural. So I think that might be more relatable to our audience today. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, who hasn't heard the phrase "lokya genge"? Like, mm-hmm. who hasn't in community at one point or another had that come out of their parents' mouth? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's especially relevant here. And then I think actually that phrase was probably also made more. Um, known in pop culture after Hassan Minhaj used it in in, uh, in Homecoming King. So, um, you know, I think it's it's very known to everyone in the South Asian community as far as, like, this idea that you're really considering your reputation and how people will perceive you and your family um, in every decision you make, whether that's the decision to do medicine or be a failure <laughs> or, or to, um, you know, uh, stay married in an unhealthy marriage or, or, you know, come to a consensus about leaving um, at the expense of how that might disturb the social fabric. So, um, you know, I, I, I do address that line because I think it's a very, uh, I think it forces people to do things for, these kind of nebulous, unknown, unnamed vogue, uh, and then people kind of get into situations that they're not, you know, that they're not doing well in. Right, you know, and I, I want to just take a second to appreciate you for something, which is that it was uh, really difficult to get this interview. I'll tell the listeners right now. It was very difficult to get this interview with Samaya because she was worried um, that talking about her marriage or and her divorce would make it difficult for her to go ahead and move past this and get married again one day. Um, but in the end, she decided, I think, with some bravery, to go ahead and do so and to talk about it and to uh, release her name and her and let us hear her voice. Uh, so, you know, I really appreciate that. And uh, I think our, our listeners... Come out from to... behind the shadows of the uh, Internet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Do you think that, uh, like, you would approach... Uh, a relationship differently now that you're on the other side of this divorce? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The thing is, a situation like that, just like, I mean, really, I think any failed relationship teaches you a lot about yourself, about what you need, what you want in a partner, um, what is healthy, what is not healthy, what you're willing to compromise on, what you realize is um, toxic beyond what uh, what should be compromised on. Um, and so, you know, I certainly, I think divorce teaches you those things. And so I I would hope to come at a new relationship with those lessons in mind. Um, the other thing also is that I think it kind of makes you realize that people really can't be reduced to just one experience. Right. I know I've struggled with that because, um, you know, I, I feel like now this is a label that kind of gets attached to who I am. Um, and, uh, you know, I see myself as much more than just this one incident. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the same necessarily as how society is. Uh, but I think we're moving in a good direction. I think we're moving in the right direction as far as, you know, considering that people are multifaceted and that they have histories and that all of those things make them who they are today and that, um, you know, their narrative can't really be broken apart and redacted and erased. Right. Absolutely. Um, I think you're really right about that. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people coming out of divorces will think uh, a little bit more cynically about marriage um, or relationships. And especially if their parents got a divorce, then young people might, uh, and you, you get a sense of this in psychiatry, certainly. Um, but even in med school, going through and seeing seeing different rotations, different kinds of patients, uh, people who have gone through divorces uh, sometimes have ways of coping that uh, aren't uh, as healthy um, as yours seem to be. Can you talk about some things that have helped you after this divorce and kind of shine some light on what people who know someone who's gone through a divorce might do to make their lives easier? Yeah, no, you bring up an interesting point in the idea of like, you know, becoming cynical after a situation like this. Um, yeah, people, I think people have the choice. Uh, their attitude is very much a choice, you know, so any experience, I think you can, uh, you can let it change who you are for the better or for the worse or for for better or for worse. Um, for me, I I definitely don't have any cynicism or, um, you know, uh, I don't think that it's made me a jaded person. I think marriage is a beautiful institution. Um, and I, if anything, I think it's made me more positive and more hopeful that when you um, do connect and uh, find yourself in or establish a sustainable and healthy marriage, that it's a really beautiful thing. Um, as far as, uh, as far as coping, which I think was your first question, um, as far as coping with a transition like this, um, you know, I think it's really helpful to, uh, trust yourself and build up your self-esteem, um, because that can mm -hmm. take both those things, I think can take a beating during a, during something like this, where you're going through, uh, uh, you know, something like divorce or um, the, the thing is, I think people who go through a divorce see it as a failure, like that they have failed at a very basic human function. Right. Um, right. And but there's a lot of emotions that tied to that, and, which I address in the article, actually. I think I list a few of them out. 
So, you know, there's like emotions like shame, uncertainty, um, pain, frustration, um, all tied to, to that experience. And so to really be able to process through them and work through them, I think it's really critical to come out healthier on the other end. Um, as far as what other people can do uh, for somebody who's going through any difficult situation, including divorce, uh, I think it's really, there's three things that I think are really helpful mm-hmm. um, when you're sitting with somebody during any emotional point in their lives. Validating somebody's reality and, and what they're experiencing, um, which, you know, the, I would say these things are really straightforward and they sound like, you know, really basic in mm-hmm. theory, but but they end up being really hard. Like, it's very easy to be an invalidating person. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so, um, so yeah, validating somebody's reality and their experience. Um, the second thing I would say is, um, being a source of warmth and comfort. Um, and the third thing is really just being available and being, being a good listener. Um, I mentioned in the piece, these lists, you know, there's basically a list of things that you really shouldn't say, but I mean, yeah, and, and then I end it with silence and how you really shouldn't be silent either. Right. But, but, you know, I think a lot of it is just being, being a good listener. So in some ways, silence can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you address the elephant in the room. So if you can address that you're, you're with somebody and willing to listen and, and wanting to be available because you know they're going through a diff- difficult time, yeah, I think that's a really powerful thing. Yeah, 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 very true. Um, the, the, I mean, that, that is something I can kind of resonate with even in this situation because, um, you know, as I was preparing for this interview, I noticed in myself uh, kind of a, uh, timidness about talking directly about the fact that you had a divorce, you know? Um, and this is, in a sense, just the most protected space to do so because it's a show in which you get to talk about it openly uh, and help other people who are going through this by talking about it. And still, it was a little difficult to, to broach the topic. Um, so, you know, it's really good that you say, um, just like Shel Sandberg did in her piece in time, that, uh, you know, sometimes silence is is less productive than we might think intuitively to someone who's going through something very difficult. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's so important. And I'm really glad that you decided to focus your episode on this topic. Um, I'm really glad that, you know, you, you reached out because it's, it's so unfortunate to me that there's people that go through all sorts of terrible things in a marriage. I mean, you know, I mentioned that mar- I, I think that marriage is a very beautiful relationship, but it also is an arena in which all sorts of wrongs take place, you know, and yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's so many unfortunate incidents of abuse, both both physical and emotional, verbal, you know, all these other forms of, of abuse that, that get neglected, that don't get talked about. Um, kind of want to think about it as like uh, this dichotomy between either being like a batter or being a good person. But there's a lot of... Um, you know, emotional abuse, gaslighting, neglect that can take place in marriage. Um, and so it's it's really important to consider that it's not happy marriages that end in divorce. Right. Um, and to be, to be 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to be empathetic not only for somebody going through the through a divorce, but for the marriage that they lived in that wasn't a good union. Right, and just before I forget, can you explain to listeners who might not know what gaslighting means? Yeah, so basically it's... Um, it's, it's substituting a different reality for one that somebody actually believes in. So it's like a, a conscious and consistent um, invalidating of somebody's sense of reality to make them believe mm-hmm. something different. Right. I also wanted to ask you what role your family and your faith had in this, because you, you do make this salient point of Lokya Kehenge and that is kind of a pressure from the family that uh, a lot of South Asians feel. And simultaneously, there is this uh, almost, uh, you know, even more powerful force of the supernatural that's trying to kind of inform you and advise you. So what can you talk about the, the roles those two forces played on this whole event in your life? Sure. Um, yeah, so, you know, for me, like religion, I mean, you know, I'm... I'm devout practicing Muslim and it's a really big part of my life, a core part of my identity. Um, And so it was something that I really clung to during this time in my life. It gave me a lot of, um, a lot of peace and stillness during what would otherwise have been a turbulent time. Um, I think that uh, it really, you know, and this is really important, I think for, for, people listening to know, but Islam has a very well-established precedent of um, divorce, both that is initiated either by the woman or by the husband, um, or by the wife or by the husband. And so, um, you know, to have like that historic precedent and to be able to read through scripture and um, history and to see that this is something that was not uncommon during the prophet's time, um, really felt like it normalized. Right. Uh, it, it normalized it and destigmatized it for me. Yeah. Um, and, and also just the whole element of like trusting, you know, God and trusting that there's a, a plan for your life, even after something like this. Um, as far as family, you know, I, I, I think it's hard. I think family is put in a tough spot because, you know, they, they want the best for you, um, but ultimately you kind of have to decide for yourself what that looks like. And so you can sometimes be at odds with family as far as what is the, the right course of action. Right. Um, I mean, the reality is nobody else is living in that situation but you. So only you can really know what um, what is the best decision. Right. Uh, I think immigrant parents, you know, I, I, I've talked about this in another piece that I've written. I feel like parents who are immigrants, you know, they came here to a very uncertain environment and an uncertain future. And I think that they wanted certainty for us and, and they equated certainty and security with, uh, you know, what's good yeah, for you. Exactly. And so, um, so, yeah, I think, you know, when they're faced with these kinds of things that are uncertain and destabilizing, it can be it can be very counter to what they had anticipated for your life. Right. So it's a little bit strange for them, you know. But, yeah. Yeah. But That's... I mean, I have I have very supportive family. Um, I have family in Dallas and, you know, that, that really helped me get back on my feet after this situation. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, I think not only did they help you uh, get through the situation, but they also helped you, uh, I would imagine, throughout the time I've known you uh, and watched you kind of grow into uh, someone who's done great things. And so uh, there are some times, though, that, you know, parents are a little bit more difficult uh, to convince or to communicate with about things that are this difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, even even those parents and uh, those situations, you can kind of, I think, address with those three things you mentioned, which is to be warm, to be uh, available, and to uh, kind of just listen, you know? And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I, really, I really think that those three things, I mean, um, kind of make any case easier to to make um so the last thing i want to talk to you about <laughs> is kind of online dating now i know that you're not oh, an expert on this are you seriously gonna open <laughs> this can of worms now? um well you know statistically speaking most of our audience are going to be on an app if they're not on one as they're listening to this right now well, I would be interested to hear what all apps they're on. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, she's on the market, guys. She's on the market. Um, so. Oh my goodness. Well, I believe you. Well, no, you, you, you know, I I bring it up because you bring it up, don't you? Because in the first part of your of your piece uh, talks about how, um, you know, one thing that made it difficult to have a divorce is people seeing your life on social media and thinking. It's as rosy as it must seem through a DSLR, you know, and mm-hmm. frequently that image can be uh, both alluring and misleading. So um, what has changed about the way you use social media now in light of this event? Um, that's I guess I could ask you that first. What do you think about that? Well, I, you know, I, I'm not sure that a whole lot changed in the sense that I feel like I was always pretty um, uh I was I was never much of a person who shared a lot on social media. That was just by choice. College and beyond, I just it just never appealed to me. Mm-hmm. I, I have my own set of issues with that, um, independent of, of relationships, marriage and divorce. Um, in general, I just feel like it kind of breeds a culture of entitlement and narcissism. You know, this idea that you're like the star of your own a Facebook page or Snapchat story and things like that. So I try to limit it where I can. Um, But, you know, I I think that I I totally see a very different culture out there right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say that, you know, I I, I think that there's a benefit to kind of having some mystery and just kind of having things that are for you, for your own self, without needing like so many people to sort of, um, you know, validate and uh, confirm what you're doing. I think it builds security and confidence. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I really like that idea. Well, okay. Well, thank you so much for spending this time and, uh, you know, with me and with our listeners. And, uh, you know, it was great to talk to you personally, but it was also great to share you uh, and kind of show you off as like my friend this uh, world of people who are listening it really is uh, the whole world seven billion people listening to this podcast i'm sure um oh yeah imagine (laughs) you guys huge following i I really hope that it gets to that point um but you know i just have to say again i'm really excited that you that you and um, your friends are doing this 
this work. I think it's really needed and it's very refreshing to see that somebody's taking the initiative to change, you know, the discourse around mental health in South Asians. So kudos to y'all. Right. No, I will continue to be a follower. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. So before you go, great. I just wanted to ask if you would talk about uh, anything you're working on these days, anything you want to tell our listeners to look out for, whether it's writing or it's, uh, you know, public appearances, whether you're going to host the Oscars, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I'm planning to take over the Oprah Winfrey Network. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm starting a class, uh, hopefully in November. It will be a seven-week class on um, mental wellness and Islamic spirituality. So I'll be integrating the two. Um, and it's geared towards Muslims, uh, you know, post-college young professionals in the Dallas area, Um but, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'd love to talk about it maybe on another episode to kind of talk <laughs> a little bit more about the topics and oh, how so. it yeah. was. This... Yeah. So, again, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, we hope to have you back. Uh, keep kicking ass. And uh, we'll see you around, okay? Okay, thanks. Bye, Samaya. Take care. Thanks to our guest, Samaya Mushtaq, our team, Shama, Ashley, Buddy, and Obhi, and our musical guest, Dave Shaw, whose music, including this track called I'm Sure, can be found on Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, and Google Play. And thanks especially to you, our listeners. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe, and get in touch with your own thoughts or guests you believe could help break the stigma. I'm Anand Jayanti with the Manmukti Podcast. Find us at munmukti.org. See you next time. Whipping the vibe, I'm feeling real good. Making hits to the day I go. Pause for a second.